about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why because we're, we're doing so smart. The things that we're doing. But here's the deal. How do we cut this down so only the essential things to get from here to a satisfactory explanation that has predictive power, how many of those pieces actually need to exist? I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Jack Anderson in for Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, Occam's Razor. When we confront things that are not immediately understandable and we try to figure out explanations for why things are the way they are or what happened, we often can create many possibilities for what could be the reason. And when we have lots of possibilities that could possibly explain something, how do we make a decision about yeah. which explanation is best? We're often riveted by really detailed <laughs> explanations that involve lots of moving parts yeah. and lots of people and actions and actors, many of which there's no other evidence independently for them. But the story feels so good, it feels good. that we buy into it. That's the way we're deciding the veracity of a lot of things is not just how it thinks, but how it feels. Yeah. What is the old phrase? If it walks like a duck and it quacks <laughs> like a duck, it's probably a duck. But in fact, ducks are boring. And so when we see something novel, even though it may have many of the trappings of just a slightly novel instance of something we've encountered many times before, there's a tendency to want to say, no, no, this is a whole new thing. This is what causes conspiracy theories to flourish because the explanations, although really complicated, feel good, even though they may be very far-fetched in terms of the connection to reality. Well, you can weave a lot of stories together once you know all the data. You can tell a whole story that binds together all sorts of disparate aspects of a situation that in reality may have nothing whatsoever to do with each other. But you tell the story and you think, look at that. I've told this elaborate story, but it brings everybody together. Often, there's no reason to think that all of those elements were connected to each other. And furthermore, these stories are so complicated that they don't really predict anything about what's going to happen in the future. And the best explanation are not the ones that are backward looking, but the ones that are predictive. I give an explanation because it will help me to understand what's going to happen in the future. And so the more unwieldy an explanation gets, the less likely it is that I have any unambiguous prediction about what's going to happen next. So that makes it all the more interesting that those convoluted kinds of explanations have appeal. Stories are one of the primary vehicles for communicating with other human beings. And as you say, ducks are boring. So yeah. if you have two steps and then the thing is solved and you know the answer, that's not very interesting. Mm. But right. if you've got this other stuff, you know, I heard that some ducks were disguising themselves and now you've got a very elaborate thing. The idea that it's something that not everybody knows, but you've figured it out makes it that much more mm. attractive and appealing. Right. If only there were a method yes. for deciding among explanations. And I think there are several methods. So one that we've alluded to here is that your explanation ought to also have some predictive value. So the best explanations are ones where on the basis of that explanation, you predict some future event which then comes to pass. So yep. for example, we have a pretty darn good explanation for planetary motion that allows us to predict eclipses. And we can predict when they're gonna happen. We can also predict where on planet Earth you're gonna need to be in order to see it best. 
that makes it an awfully good explanation. If your explanation doesn't predict anything that's going to happen in the future, it only retrodicts it, then I think you don't have a particularly good explanation. Yeah. The general principle that we should shave our explanations down to the simplest ones or have a preference for the explanations that make the fewest assumptions and assertions, that principle is called Occam's Razor, which was named after William of Occam. It's been a very powerful way of trying to decide among a set of explanations that all else being equal, prefer the simplest explanation for something. So if you don't have to propose nine new forces and seven new actors in order to explain something compared to some other explanation that just says it's a duck, then I would go with the duck. And again, there's something unthrilling about that in some ways, except when you think about how often scientists who are working to puzzle out some unknown phenomenon that they're trying to figure out what's operating and what's doing what, the word that comes up often is elegant. I mean, scientists talk about this about theories, mathematicians talk about this, and elegance really has to do with simplicity, right? Only the essential parts are there, and no, it's not cluttered with anything else. And I think that's an interesting way to think about having a criterion for what's a good explanation, because the more complicated the explanation is, the harder it's going to be to test it because there are too many moving parts. So the yeah. simpler explanations in some ways are better because they're more testable. The complicated explanations often play an interesting role in that they are often the things that get people interested in trying to understand the phenomenon. So now I'm thinking of things like the Marfa lights. People in Marfa were sitting there, it's pitch black at night, and periodically these crazy lights would come running through the sky if you sat in a particular direction. Is it flying saucers? Is it some kind of space age equipment off into the hills? What's going on? And so people were interested in it because it was weird and it led to all sorts of fanciful beliefs about what was going on. And rather than saying, gosh, it looks like there might be a road out there. <laughs> What if that's just headlights? <laughs> no, that's boring. But nobody would even bother looking if there wasn't the potential for something interesting. And part of why that matters is, yeah, in the case of the Marfa lights, it doesn't turn out to be so interesting. But every once in a while, you stumble on something that doesn't have an obvious explanation and you think it might be something really fanciful. And even if you're wrong, the truth ends up being really interesting yeah. in some way. Yeah. And you know, factors that create curiosity are a benefit because they lead you to look deeper into something that might end up having a fascinating explanation. Yeah. Next time, we'll talk about 24-hour news cycle with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show or any of our archive shows at KUT.org and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Our engineers are David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford. I'm Jack Anderson, in for Rebecca McEnroy, and I co-produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. 